Hello and welcome to Silence, a podcast that gives women in science, technology, engineering and maths or STEM an opportunity to be honest and open about what it's really like working in these typically male-dominated subjects. Each week, one woman shares her stories and experiences. She could be a public figure, the girl next door or someone from a far-off land. The point is she'll be deliberately kept anonymous and disguised to ensure that we're not distracted by the details of her achievements, her labels or what she looks like. I'm Dr. Shanice Omara, also a woman in STEM. I studied mechanical engineering and ended up as a television broadcaster. I've worked on and reported on some cutting edge technology and innovation over the years. And through my TV work, I've met some incredible women from a diverse range of STEM fields. And you know what? I've been more amazed about what I've learned from these women when the cameras have been turned off and they're just being themselves. These women have amazingly impressive CVs, but most importantly, they're human just like the rest of us. And it's that off-air honesty that I'd love to share with you through silence. It's my hope that you really relate to what's shared with you today and that you're as inspired, supported and comforted as I always am when I chat with my amazing guests. If so, please do subscribe to Silence and maybe even leave some comments and reviews. I'd love to have your feedback. This week, my guest is in the field of digital transformation and social innovation. Hi. Hello, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm having a great day. Just before the holidays, always a good time of the year. Yeah, I would have thought that's like a very busy and stressful time trying to wrap things up. You know, I I think that that's true for some, but for me, the more the better. And so the busier I am, it seems to be the more organized I get and the more I get done. Oh, wow. Was that an acquired skill or have you always been that way? Um, My mom would tell you that I sent her a list as I was growing up. So I think that it's um, something that I was born with and definitely not genetic. Okay. So digital transformation um, and social innovation, that sounds very broad. What is it that you do? Really, I think that I help organizations find what their methodology for change is. And recently, that's been digital transformation and social innovation. But throughout my whole career, I've been always tasked with taking the organization and pointing it in a new direction, whether that be through systemic stuff, through the direction of the board of directors, or through how you're going to use your people assets in a new and a different way to keep up with industry trends. Did you, you know, you mentioned when you were a kid, like, did you know that you were going to end up in some kind of career like this? You know what? I didn't. I actually thought I was going to be an attorney. Um, I really liked business and I kind of flooded towards those different types of experiences that were business um, directed in both high school as well as college. But I'd always thought, okay, I'm going to go to law school or I'm going to go to law school and get my MBA. I really was driven towards education as a means of learning and becoming who I wanted to be. Um, And after law school, it took me about 30 seconds to figure out that actually the sales business side of me was taking over the lawyer side of me. And how did you end up in something so techie? I just thought it was interesting. Uh, I have that type of personality that needs new challenges on a daily, weekly, yearly basis. And so if I get bored, that's the worst possible thing for me that can happen. Uh, I just, I can't handle boredom. So I looked for a field that would be interesting and also ever-changing. And what I found was that actually working with customers in the field, working with salespeople, working with operations and engineers, and putting that all into a bucket made me constantly learn, pushed me to get better, pushed me into things I just didn't understand or know. And so I just started, I have this theory that you just should always say yes and figure it out later. Um, And it pushed me that direction. So you definitely sound like a personality that doesn't suffer too much from self-doubt then. I don't know that that's true. I think that in business, that may be true. But in my personal life, that would be the opposite. I think that, you know, when you're trying, when you're a woman, um, and I'm sure men have the same feeling, but I only can speak from my experience, that 
when you juggle too many things at the same time, you always doubt that you're not doing the best that you can at each thing. If you had all the time to just devote to one instead of five different areas that are important to you, then I think that it, you probably wouldn't have those doubts. But I have doubts every day about being a mother, about being a wife, about taking care of myself, about am I giving enough to the job because I want to be everything to everyone. And then it's super hard, I think, to be a good friend when you have all these other competing interests. Right. So was it ever an option to maybe do less? <laughs> I tried. Um, my children would tell you that I, I tried and I probably failed because I diverted all of that energy that I used to put into work into being the um, basically the, the hovercraft mom. mom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I, I um, actually more power to them, but it's probably not how I made. And being in the classroom every day or making the homemade cupcakes instead of the store-bought cupcakes, probably <laughs> not the best role for me. So I, I'm getting the impression that you're definitely just a very enthusiastic, determined and driven woman. Yeah, I think I actually do have drive. I, I, that's probably a correct assessment. But I have drive to be the best person that I can possibly be and to positively influence those around me, whether it be my home life or my work life or my friends. Um, I just take it very much to heart. And so I think my heart leads me and then the rest of me follows those sentiments. Have you always been that way? I mean, I'm imagining young girls listening to this podcast thinking, I don't know if I have that same kind of drive, but I definitely want to be a successful career woman. What's been your journey from the beginning? So I would say that I did not start with the confidence, um, nor did I have, I, I knew kind of where I wanted to go, but I didn't know how I was going to get there. And I think life taught me to be resilient and life taught me that not everything's perfect and that I, there's no way to be perfect. Um, I think it also taught me that juggling is okay and that it can work and still be a healthy environment for the people you love. And I also think that you get knocked down a lot. I know I've been knocked down quite a few times. Um, and that the getting back up from being knocked down is where the strength comes from. So I don't think that it's possible when you're 15, 20, 25, or even 30 to have such a core inner strength. I think that it builds over time and becomes bigger and bigger based on the life that you lead and the experiences that you have. What kept you going when you were knocked down? Why did you not just... Uh either change direction and just say, maybe this isn't the right course for me? That's actually a super good question. I don't think that I ever thought that there was an option not to get back up. Somehow the way that I'm personally built is that if you didn't do it as well as you did the first time, then I need to prove to myself that I can do it better the next time. So sometimes, you know, there's a series of knockdowns in a row. I remember when I was first first in my career and moved from law into um, a tel telecommunications environment, I really didn't know much. And I had these giant customers that I was given and I was supposed to go make something happen from both an individual contributor as well as a leadership role because I kind of had a dual hat at that time. And I lost both of the biggest deals that I'd ever touched oh um, about 48 hours apart from each other. Um, and How did you not fall apart? I think that I was, my immediate thought was how am I going to backfill that revenue? I don't think that I actually even let myself think about I lost X dollars or the company's going to be mad at me or what did I, how can I improve next time? I think I immediately went into fix it mode and mm -hmm. that gave me the strength to take it in bite-sized pieces. And I think that is really a key when you fall down is, you know, you can only do one thing at a time. You can only think one thing at a time. You only put one foot in front of the other. And so because you can only do it in bite-sized pieces, it seems less ominous when something bad happens. If you just take it piece by piece by piece and rebuild from where you left off. And it sounds like you never took any failure personally. I take every failure personally. Um, for instance, if I have an employee that's not being successful, I think that that's on me 
And I know sometimes you realize in the end that, you know what, this can't be fixed or you, there's nothing you can personally do to redirect. You've tried everything. But I, I take all of that as a personal failure. It's what drives me to be better. And I think that a lot of people are like that. You know, you want you want your people to be more successful than you. You want your people, I mean, I hire all people that are smarter than me, and I do that because they push me to be better. Um, and in turn, because they do that for me, I give them the mentorship or what other pieces they need. And I think that constant kind of 360 environment, it forces you to keep going because you have all these other people and all these other pieces of an ecosystem. And I guess that's how I feel like, like I'm a piece of the pie, but there's 10 other pieces of the pie. So, you know, if I take my piece out, then all the rest of them aren't successful either. So it's, it's just a requirement, I think, in the life that I've built that I don't give myself a lot of downtime. Now, I do have some things that have happened in my life that have shook me. Um, I don't know that business shakes me particularly, but there's personal things that have shook me and there's things that have happened to people that I care about in business that have shook me um, or things I've been asked to do that have been very, very difficult or things that have happened to me that have been very difficult. And so from those vantage points, I think you have to give yourself time to, you know, first be sad, to go through anger to sit back and reflect upon that. And that's a regular cycle I go through. But the super sad part, I give myself 24 hours and then I have to shake it because if I don't shake it, then I let down all those other pieces of the pie. It's so amazing that you allow yourself to have those uncomfortable emotions, essentially. Do you think you're more emotional because you're a woman? <laughs> Are you even aware of like your gender? Yeah, absolutely. I think that um, when I was growing up um, and in my early years, I had a lot of women that were around me that, that thought that it wasn't good to be a woman or to be feminine. I had some um, attorneys above me that really had made their careers by acting like men. And when I got into telecommunications, there were very few women above me in the organization. And those that were really had learned to be tough. Um, and I decided when I went in that that isn't how I was going to handle myself, that I wasn't going to give up my femininity. Um, wow. I think that it was, it was hard because I didn't do what was expected. Um, but I think that it allowed me to stay true to who I am and to, to be not just feminine, but to be nurturing and compassionate and to really keep my passion on my sleeve so that it, I think that it created trust within the organization of who I was. But I also think that when you go see customers, you know, you need them to believe in you. And if you're not your true self, then there's automatically a wall that goes up. So I'm always trying to be my genuine self. Some days it's hard, but I really do. I, I That is one of my personal goals is always to be true to who I am as a person and to my femininity. Did you ever question whether that approach might not work every single day right. <laughs> and I still do but, it, but your need to be yourself was greater than that doubt I think my need to show my daughters recently like over the last 15 to 20 years was my paramount concern right? I don't want to be somebody at home who's different than somebody at work. And I mm -hmm. think that at the very beginning of my career, I tried that. I tried to be one person at work and then just my true self at home. And I, over a couple of years, I just realized that I couldn't keep it up. It took too much energy to not be really who I was. And I, you mm -hmm. know, I encourage young women today, I mentor quite a few and I encourage them to be their true selves and to show what it is that makes them special you know, I have a woman that I work with and she always says, what's your superpower to any women that she meets? And I think that each of our superpower is different and we have to be able to show it in order to reach our maximum success in whatever we view as successful. I think young women are so bombarded with messages about who they should be and what they should look like and what they should study and how they should spend their lives in a career or otherwise. How do you find out what your superpowers are? That's a very good question. 
I don't know that I have a true answer for that. I think that everybody figures it out in a different way, in a different pace. I think sometimes it's pointed out to you. Um, I think that other times you figure it out, but there's not really a way to articulate what it is. And for me, I didn't figure out what it is that I bring to the table, truly, like what my core value is until much later in life. I had thought it was the fact that I would work 80 to 100 hours a week without complaining, or that I would learn the fastest, or that I would be able to sell the most, or that I had the highest performing team. I mean, those were things, or that we, my teams got the awards. You know, At the beginning of my career, it was external feedback that told me what my superpowers were. And once I looked internally and I started making those decisions for myself, instead of taking others' opinions of what it should be, I realized it was is that I'm honest and I'm true and I'm ethical and I create trust quickly with others because of those attributes that I carry. And I don't know that anybody from the outside could have articulated that to me, um, but it's proved out over my lifetime that that's really that bond that I can get quickly with people because I am who I am and I'm, I'm not having a put on. I think that that is for me, that was markedly different than what I would have thought when I was younger. And I think as you get older, you also stop looking as much for external approval and external value of you. And you start looking internally to what makes you happy, what makes you who you are, what you want for the rest of your life. And that for me has been a marked change in all of the attributes you asked me about earlier, especially in um, understanding who you are and having that confidence. Did you see a difference when you started to focus more on your inner self um, compared to uh, being preoccupied with uh, what was happening externally? Uh, did your life change in any way? It did, actually. Um, I think I became happier because mm -hmm. I was doing and acting and being who I aspired to be rather than who I thought I should be. And I, it was a huge learning for me that that would make such a difference in my day-to-day -day life. Mm. And maybe I could give an example because there's, I, I found over time that if you tell the story and show the progress, um, that sometimes that that helps others to understand. So I, I feel very strongly about women's issues. Um, however, my opinion on women's issues may not be mainstream for today. And it probably wasn't mainstream 20 years ago either. It's kind of on the peripheries of what my experience has been. And the, the things that I do to encourage younger women or women even who are my age but are still trying to move up in a corporation, um, it's really changed over the years. So when I was younger, I believed that, you know, okay, you start a mentorship program, you have people that you mentor, you teach them and show them by example how to do what they need to do. You, you're able to pull them with you and also make sure that when opportunities come up, you put up their name or you push them towards awards or recognition. And that's what I thought that it meant to support women in an organization. So I did that though, because that's what I had learned from my mentors. That's what I had learned from the different places that I'm in. But today, I look at it differently. I look at it internally instead of externally. So instead of doing what everybody else has set up, I actually look at what is it that I really believe about this? What do I think the roadblocks for women are? Do I think that something like quotas are actually a good thing? You know, or do they drive the wrong behavior and then overlook people that actually women that should be considered? Mm -hmm. So I look at all of it from a different vantage point where I'm allowed to have my own opinion and don't need to take on somebody else's. So for instance, when I'm mentoring a woman today, I talk about the ability to say yes. 
the ability to talk to other women about things that are taboo topics, like maternity leave, like how much money we make. Um, there's a lot of things that we just as women don't do. And I would have never said that in my youth because I thought that it was taboo and wouldn't be appreciated. Now I do it because I know it's the right thing to do for women, because why should they have to go through those same things and not know? Men sit on the golf course and they talk about this stuff all the time. So if we started talking to each other more and being more open and helping each other with these things, I think that that would solve a lot of the issues that we're facing. Do you think the issues are there because there have been so few women in tech? Yes and no. So I think the issues are there because a lot of women don't want other women to be successful in this particular industry. They want to be the one. They want to be the one that moves up. And rather than pulling each other together, they push each other down. Um, and it's it's done in a lot of subtle ways, but I've seen it over and over again. And it's really an unfortunate because I see it all the way from the women that have been here for the last 30 years to the women that are just coming out and they're, you know, they want to be the one, they want the attention, they want to be the center, they want to be the one woman that succeeds in spite of the rest instead of wanting the entire group to succeed. So I talk about that a lot with people, men and women, because I think that it's one of the things that we do to each other. But I also talk about maternity leave. You know, a woman, say she went to medical school, she gets out, she's a doctor, she goes on maternity leave, she decides to stay home for the first two to three years, and then she goes back and she can't get a job. So she's been out two to three years from after going to 14, 15 years of school or more, maybe 20 years of school, and she comes back and there's nowhere for her to fit. Now, that woman is a highly educated, highly trained machine, right? And and we're not giving her the opportunity to come back into the workforce in the same way. And we do the same thing in all the other industries. Mm. So for me, I'm looking at, well, how do we encourage those women to come back? How do we not lose them from the workforce? Because they're highly skilled, highly intelligent women, and we lose this entire population who are conflicted between should I work or should I stay home? Were your views towards all of this influenced by your own personal experiences or have you always been very resolute in championing women throughout your life? Um, I haven't, actually. I wish I could say that I had since I was young, but I hadn't. I was at the beginning very focused on my career and succeeding up the ladder. But once I had girls... Um, it really changed me substantially. It made me look at the younger generations differently. It made me think, what can I do to set that example? And it made me think, what type of world do I want them to come into? Mm. Um, and I'll tell you, some of my views here are controversial because I don't want my girls to grow up thinking that they should get a job just because they're a woman. I don't want them to think that okay, well, we have to put somebody on our board. Therefore, it's going to be you, even if you're not as qualified as the person sitting next to you. What I want for them is I want them to be as good as or better than the competition and to get those positions because they're the best and because they strove to be the best. Mm. Um, and, and, and I know that that's not what everybody believes, but for me, I want them to be change makers in the world. And the only way you can do that is if you go through this process of developing your inner core and of always trying for self-improvement and always relooking at yourself and knowing you're you're so far from perfect that you have to work on it every mm. single day. Yeah, it's a, such a humble perspective. Was it ever a question in your mind that it was either or? you know, either a career or motherhood? Or did you always know that you wanted to juggle both? Um, no, I thought I would not juggle both. I thought that when I had a child, well, first of all, I thought I wouldn't have children because I felt that you couldn't do both well. So I went into it thinking I'm not going to have children. Then, of course, life changes you as you get older and you change your mind. Um, and when I decided that I was going to have a child, I thought I would stay home for the first couple years mm -hmm. because that would be best for her. And I started that process and noticed pretty quickly it probably wasn't going to be best for her because having a mom that wasn't happy or wasn't following what she believed was her best use 
um, wasn't actually going to set a good example. Mm. Um, and I, and, and it's not that I don't enjoy the things that come with staying home with your child. I really did. But I also, in that short time, started a business, bought some um, businesses, like did a bunch of different things because my mind was still going business-wise and sales-wise, even though I had decided to shift. So I shifted, but I shifted well into my career and my brain couldn't couldn't make the shift back, I guess. Mm. Some women talk about changing transforming in a irreversible way after having children um but it sounds like that change was actually the most positive thing for you oh I really think it was yeah I think that it my three kids I mean they're the center of my universe and as well as my husband I really I value what they teach me on a daily basis I value how they challenge me Uh, they make me think about things differently in fact, my oldest daughter this week sent me this message. I We had a kind of difference of opinion on one topic, and she sent me this very grown-up message. And she was articulate, and she was thorough, and she said, this isn't, you know, to start a debate. This is just to let you know, this is how I'm thinking about this topic, and I'd like you to consider these options and these thoughts as well. And it was the first time that I went, wow, okay, she's she's an adult now. Mm-hmm. I see the adult in her. And it was, for me personally, it was just such a proud moment. Mm-hmm. It was that I taught her to think on her own. And despite the fact that I was pushing one direction, she was willing in a very articulate, non-controversial way to say, but this is how you raised me to be. And not only did you raise me this way, but because you raised me this way, that's why I have a difference of opinion. And I actually changed my opinion based on that feedback. And I thought, okay, yeah, this is what's supposed to happen. I've seen this happen at work, but I've never had this happen with my children because they were children. Mm -hmm. And she's finally moving into that next stage. Um, And I think that's the biggest gift. And I, I do think that it's transformed me because I can see that whole journey. Oh, I I have more kind of gratitude than I have questions because I it's <laughs> so you. I feel so much thanks and appreciation that you have such clarity on striking a balance between all the different roles of being a woman because I think many women uh, feel guilt and maybe even shame over having to stretch themselves over very different roles. But you have so much confidence in being able to fulfill each role adequately or well. Um, Has that taken work to get there? Wow. I don't think about it like that at all. So first of all, thank you. That's a beautiful compliment. But I would tell you that I do feel guilt. Um, so I should probably back up and tell people that I do. Um, it's it's not e- an easy task. When I miss a basketball game or a football game or I'm not here for a special event because I'm traveling for work, I long to be at home. I have times where my husband gets to go out with our friends and I'm not able to go because of work. And I have things that happen that I very much want to be part of but I have to get something turned in because Japan needs it or my boss needs it or something like that. And so as all of that happens, I constantly feel torn between wanting to be 100% mom, wife, friend, daughter, to wanting to be 100% the best worker that ever happened. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I think that that's a natural thing. I think it's over the years, I've just decided that my family understands and I understand and I do the best that I can to balance. And there's a lot of wonderful things that it, that working creates for our family. So we understand it. It's just sometimes we don't like it. Um, and the guilt is a, is a constant. The other thing that I would say is that, you know, none of this came without a lot of hardship and a lot of learning. So I might sound confident and know where I'm going today, but on a daily basis for many, many years, I didn't, and I had to find my way. And I think that that's normal. And I think that that's a really 
normal feeling for women and only an individual can decide what's right for them. It, you know, and it's different for every single person. Right. So now sort of looking back um, from where you are today, what would you give any words of advice through someone that's in the middle of that growth? Yeah, I would. I think that first of all is to find your inner yes. Women just don't say yes. And, and I said it earlier in the program, but Yes is such an important word for us because we're used to thinking, what don't I have? Why can't I do it? Can I do it well enough? Okay, there's 20 attributes I'm supposed to have and I only have 12 of them or I only have 18 of them and that's not enough, so I'm going to say no. Where men see an, an attribute list of 20 and they might have two and they say, oh yeah, I can do it. And so that's something that I really believe women need to change about ourselves. You know, we don't have to be everything because we're smart and we can learn. So that's the number one thing. I think the second thing is to learn to take care of yourself. It's something I still don't do well and I'm trying to learn. Um, so I tell everybody this. I was like, don't don't follow my steps because they're wrong. I know that they're not good. Um, but you really have to find a way to create balance so that you have time to think, so that you have time to exercise, so you have time to take care of yourself. Um, don't put off the, going to the doctor for three years because you're, quote unquote, too busy with work. Like those types of things are things that I still struggle with every day. And as a younger person, I think if you can build those into your routine and make them part of your daily life, then you don't have to get to a point where you realize, oh, I kind of messed this up and I better redo this. Or Because it's really hard when you're older to change your daily routine and the way that you think about things. Mm. Yeah. Gosh, I, I'm just utterly inspired. Um, <laughs> I feel like I want to now just go off and like practice living. Because um, you do make it sound like it's just been an incredible journey of learning. Um, and that's perfectly okay. Because I think, you know, often, particularly if you're at school, it's, it's, there's so much emphasis on attainment and, you know, the end result rather than the actual process or journey to get to that end result um and often what the end result uh determines what the journey was like and that's I don't get that impression from you I, I get the impression that you've really enjoyed the journey um and and it's let there's less emphasis on the end goal yeah I don't really have an end goal my end goal is that my children become productive members of society and they're happy those two things are very important to me, that we find in our household ways to give back because we've been so blessed and that every year we all get a little bit better at whatever it is we're trying to get better at. I think that for me, those are the most important things um, and that I value my relationships. I also think that when you're at a point in your life where you really know who you are, it's easier to tell all those people that are important to you how much they mean to you mm -hmm. and to not hold off doing that because you're waiting for the right time. So I always feel like if this was my last day on earth, that would be okay because everybody who needs to know I love them knows that I love them. And I've done the very best job up until yesterday that I can doing my life. And so for me, I'm very calm inside as a result of that. It doesn't mean I don't worry. It doesn't mean I don't have bad days like everybody does. It doesn't mean I don't have frustration. But I do know that if today was it, everybody would be okay because they know how much I love them or how much I cared about them. What were your end goals before you had a family? Oh, to take over the world, basically. Um, I wanted to, <laughs> I wish it wasn't, but I, I wanted to be CEO of a major corporation. That was when I was probably 12 that started. And I don't know that it stopped until recently when I thought, well, that job doesn't look so fun now that I'm close to it. <laughs> Maybe somebody else is better suited for that. Maybe I'm not willing to do what it takes to do that job. Um, so I think once you're faced with your dream, all of a sudden you go, hmm, maybe not. <laughs> I, I feel like I'm speaking to a true leader, but who inspired you? 
Wow. I think I was first inspired by my mom. Um, she was a younger mom. And because of that, she did most of her education while I was a child and all the way through school. So I watched her get her associate's degree and then her undergrad and a master's and a second master's and then some certificate program and then a PhD. I mean, she was basically working full time and doing education my entire life. So I thought found that inspirational in that with all that was on her, she was still able to reach her dreams, find a happy place and the push towards learning was amazing in my house. She really, that was a key focus. There was never a question um, if learning was important or the value that she placed on it because mm -hmm. we could see it each and every day. So she was my, my first. Um, then it's interesting, my, gra my grandparents on both sides of my family, I would say, and my aunt were next. They were all very hard workers they had work ethic like I'd never seen. They were all very good business people. And they wrapped that in love for their families. So they were very family oriented and very much um, my rocks as I was growing up because I did have a young mom. And so it took a village um, and they were part of our village. But then once I got to college, I found some mentors, um, Joan Watt, who was the dean of my law school. She was amazing to me. There's another woman, Phyllis Needy, who was at um, University of Washington running the Career Services Center. And um, those two people really took me through the first 10 years of my um you know, from undergrad all the way through law school and stayed at my side and were not just references, but true pioneers in their fields, which gave me inspiration. And they told it like it was. There was never any candy coating anything. And when I messed up, they told me I messed up. And they taught me about having thick skin from a business perspective without losing your soft touch or your compassion or your femininity on the other side. That's so progressive because I really do identify with that kind of role of a woman where she's almost, you know, a man in drag. Yes. So to actually encourage um, femininity to also exist whilst being strong and thick-skinned is really refreshing to hear. Yeah, and I think in education at the time, they were probably the first um, wave of people to do it. But being dean of a law school, that is a big job, and that had traditionally been a male job. And so I really looked, she was a mother and a great wife and a great community organizer, and she really was the whole package, as was Phyllis. And so those two people just really pushed me. Um, after that, I had the worst person I've ever worked for, who was a female attorney. Um, and on my first day thinking that, okay, I've been working at this place for years, and now I finally get to be an associate attorney, she asked me to go get her dry cleaning to put me in my place. So I, you know, I had both ends of what I wanted in a leader and in what I wanted to become and what I didn't. And I sometimes think that the leaders you don't want to become are just as helpful, if not more helpful than who you aspire to be. And what's it been like being an executive amongst men? Yeah, so it's been really a challenge. I would say that I've been fortunate in that I've had some amazing male um, peers as well as um, C-suite executives that I've reported to. I've also had the opposite. Um, I think that it's it's hard as a woman in a field of people if you aren't one of those women that goes and plays golf on Fridays, that tells the jokes that, that are being told in the background, and to keep yourself who you are and still interface with all of those other individuals, um, it's always a tight wire, right? You're walking the rope and you have to be careful to stay in your lane for whoever it is that you want to be. And it's easy to fall off on either side. Um, it's easy to fall into the you know, banter that goes back and forth. And I think that it's super hard to keep yourself off of that line um, and not falling into what the easy answers are. So I think that for a lot of women I've seen, you know, they faced 
a lot of personal struggles getting to where they're going and working in the male-dominated profession. For me personally, I've only had a couple years that were like that, and the rest has been phenomenal. So I really I count myself very lucky, and I do recognize that it's not the same for most women. It sounds like we're back to the same point that you mentioned earlier, where in order to survive in environments where people may be different from you because they're male or otherwise, um, the way to really survive that is to truly know who you are. So, yeah, I do believe that. But I also think that it's hard for women that are younger to know yet who they are because you develop so significantly in your 20s and early 30s. I just think that, you know, you go through a metamorphosis and become whatever type of butterfly you're going to become. So I think it's more about just knowing where your boundaries are and finding ways to present your boundaries in a non-threatening way to your male counterparts. So whether that be because people want to um, get together because you're not married yet, or even after you are married, um, whether it be in the boardroom because your voice isn't as loud as others, whether it be you're doing all the work for a group project because nobody else feels like it, or whether it be that they're all going and bonding on the golf course, but you aren't part of that. You know, there's a way to overcome each one of those in most cases. And I do understand, and I'm not oversimplifying the fact that there's some strange things that happen in the workplace where you have to go to HR or there aren't ways to get around them. Um, But for me, there's a few different things. I was recently asked when I was in, Um, another country about, you know, what do you do if you're made to feel uncomfortable on a daily basis by a male counterpart, right? Mm -hmm. And that's an active thing that happens to all of us. There's no woman that I've ever met that's in my industry that hasn't had that happen to them. And it's about how do you do that and what sort of boundaries. So for instance, if you don't want to be in that situation, there's some basic things you can do. You can not go for drinks when it's just you and all the guys. And does that seem unfair? Yes, it is. And does it suck that you're the only one that doesn't get to go do that? Yes. But when you put yourself in that situation, the rules change a little bit, right? And it makes it worse for you. Or, you know, if somebody is constantly bothering you and constantly looking at you in a way that makes you uncomfortable or making those comments, what I do is I talk incessantly about my husband so that they don't even want to, whatever they were thinking about me before, they're not thinking about it anymore because I love my husband and he is the best and he's the most athletic and he's this and he's that. And after a while, they get the hint like, okay, I'm going to go find somebody else who's not going to talk incessantly about their husband who I don't want to hear about. Like I've used those types of tactics over the years in order to remove myself from uncomfortable situations. And I also recently had one of my mentees come and talk to me about, you know, a gentleman was having a really hard time in his life and he just needed to talk and she invited him she had like the suite so she invited him to her room in order to have that talk and he mistook what she meant by that well yeah because she's young and she didn't realize that there's an automatic assumption to that invite that wouldn't have been there if you met in the lobby So, you know, it's, I think it's also a learning experience and figuring out where those boundaries are, I guess. And not uh, beating yourself up if you make mistakes. No, you have to make mistakes or you would never learn. Yeah. I mean, I've made every single mistake you could ever make. And, you know, it's it's those making of the mistakes and then sharing them with others. Like now I'm willing to share anything. and. I think when you're younger, you aren't because it makes you so exposed. But as you get older, and if more people that were further along in their careers would share the truth, like when I was in Singapore at the women's event recently, one of our other women leaders, and there's very few of us, but there another one was there with me. And she shared about, you know, having breast cancer and the fact that that she didn't want to go tell her boss because there might be judgment over that you know, or uh, some other people shared that were a little bit um, different in different organizations lower down, that if they have a female issue, or like one of them had an atopic pregnancy, and she didn't feel like she could tell her boss because there would be judgment, um, just because they're female related items. Yeah, we're so we're so scared to highlight what we believe are weaknesses. Yes, exactly. 
But men, if they blow out their knee or they got to go in and get their yearly whatever, they're, they just talk about it. So I think that the more we talk about it and the more we socialize our female experiences, the easier it will be to discuss those things and to not feel intimidated by being a woman because that's all woman-related intimidation. And I actually think we do it to ourselves. You know, men are they're hardier than we give them credit for. And we just feel that we, okay, we can't share this because there'll be judgment. But if we all shared it, then they would have to get over it. It can also be a bit tricky because when you talk about not going for a drink with the guys, um, there are many women that would. And so, you know, we kind of end up looking frigid or not as much fun or, you know, a bit uptight and things like that. And so, um, I don't know. It's it's not just male attitudes that need to change in order to help us out. It's it's definitely female attitudes too. I totally believe that. In fact, I recently had a female colleague say something to me about that, that, you know, I am never one of the ones that want to go to the forced fun. And I don't actually look at it that way. I look at that I'm one of the ones that doesn't want to put myself in a position where I have to explain myself later. Mm. And my life experience has shown me that putting myself in that position only hurts me and my career and my respect within the workplace. So I just choose to very rarely um, attend those types of events. And when I do, it's because I'm putting them on and my staff is involved and I control the boundaries and the rules. And then occasionally I have to do it. I, my, my CEO might put something on where I'm obligated to go or, you know, somebody it's a large corporate event. But other than that, I really do try to steer clear of that because I found for me that that makes it easier to maintain what's my core purpose in that organization and who I personally am. And that doesn't work for everybody. I can't help but wonder as we talk, um, you know, you're, you you just come across as being such an incredible human being. I, I wonder, like, what is your husband like? I mean, is he proud of you? Is he intimidated by you? Is he under the thumb? Uh, Is he more dominating? Like, what's he like? Well, he's wonderful. I'll start with that. He's, um, I actually think I like him even more than I love him. He's a great man. And he has, I think, a very clear view of his self-worth. He knows who he is, who he wants to be. Um, what he's aspiring to. And he supports me because he wants me to also have that inner core feeling of, I did what I wanted to do. And so when I do retire, we will be able to celebrate the achievements that we made professionally, but also the fact that we supported each other when each of us had different dreams. Mm. And have you both always been like that together? Or um, has time allowed you to evolve into you know what essentially are two very whole people getting together I would say since we were we were friends for close to 10 years before we became romantic that that actually is a solid foundation of our relationship I also think that he is um he's markedly different than me um he has like I don't I'm probably exaggerating a little bit, but close to 500 best friends and they all have personal touch on, you know, a regular basis. And sometimes somehow he finds the time to give to everybody where I personally have a core group of people. And then I have extended, of course, but my core group is who I make sure know where I'm at, how I feel, blah, blah, blah. And I keep in touch with them. And he's he's just much better at it. He's also way more fun than I am. So when I know that it's going to require a fun personality, even if it's work-related, I make sure that he can come with because mm-hmm. he helps me bridge that gap because I am so focused and so driven and so oriented to what's next, what's next, he has to push some fun into the life. And so he's really good at that. And a lot of times I'll just step back and, and wait to see what's next, because he'll make sure that that happens for me. And it's not that I don't want it. It's that I just don't think that way. Mm -hmm. And he's also just super funny, which is something that for me doesn't come easy. And so that's also a great attribute. So it keeps me going, but it also in those types of events where, you know, 
fun and levity helps the situation. He is just monumentally good at that. And then lastly, he is just a phenomenal dad. He really is. Um, I don't know. He's, he's a full on man's man, but still a great and compassionate and loving father. So I don't think I could have done better. I'm just sitting here like massive smile on my face. Um, I just, I really feel like you have it all. What, what's your perspective on that? No, I think that this format only shows the good parts and don't, doesn't show the frustrations and the the bad spots, right? We all have them. Um, one that I can share in this is just I physically, a lot of times I'm in pain. So I have a bad back. I started when I was young. Um, I had this thing called spinal meningitis, and then I became a competitive gymnast. So probably not a good back-to-back thing, except for that nobody back then knew that spinal meningitis would create problems later in life for repetitive movement. So I've had back surgeries, numerous. I've had a lot of pain. I travel extensively. And I think that that constantly being in pain since I was about 13 years old or a little bit earlier has provided also some of that strength. And then there's many other things that I could talk about, but I think that one just gives you a kind of view into it isn't easy. Some days you don't want to get out of bed or you have migraines and you have to go to a board meeting or you don't want to get on the next airplane because you can barely roll your suitcase, but you, you force yourself to do it because you want to keep going. And mm-hmm. that, that drive that I have allows me personally to overcome some of those obstacles or my rule about you can only be upset for 24 hours. I implemented that when I was a kid. And um, I lost my gymnastics career, which I thought was like for real in my head, that was my job. And um, when I lost that, it could have just traumatized and might have traumatized a lot of people. But somehow my mind put it on the shelf and said, look at everything great you did. Now go be the manager for the team Mm. and see if you can be the student manager and go from there. So I think that it's just how we react to the adversity, but it's not that there isn't adversity. Yeah. And often like the most heartbreaking losses or challenges um, are exactly what's required to nudge you in a new direction. Exactly. So I got to tell you, I'm having such a hard time not interviewing you because <laughs> since we've met previously, I would very much like to ask you a bunch of questions. So at another time when we're not in the middle of the podcast, I think that you have probably a beautiful story that should be shared on one of these as well. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you so much for saying that. I, I feel like in listening to you, you have cleared a path that I suspected I needed to follow. But just, you know, you saying things like, you know, just get to know yourself first um, and essentially everything else will follow is something that is so strong in your message today. And uh, I feel like I'm at a point in my career where I'm very much following my heart. Your clarity has been so inspiring today. Um, And I just, I feel like I could chat with you for hours. I wish I could chat with you for hours um, because you have so much wisdom and, I'm not envious because that sounds negative, but I'm in huge admiration of your daughters that get to have you as a mom. Oh, thank you. I don't know that they would agree, but hopefully someday they will. Thank you so much for being on the show. You're very welcome. It was true pleasure. And I hope we get to do more together in the future. Likewise. That's it from my STEM guest this week. Oh, I just feel such a loud and clear message um, from her that it's all about really getting to know yourself and becoming comfortable in the skin that you're in. And in reaching that destination, I feel like everything else will fall into place. Thank you so much for listening this week. Don't forget to subscribe and leave comments and catch you next week on Silence.